Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Joining us right now from Tache Pharmacy, Scott Gruen. Scott, good afternoon. Afternoon, Hal. How are you doing? Excellent. Thank you very much for doing this. Uh, naloxone. We um, are hearing that uh, it has been used in the month of May here in Winnipeg more than any other month, 107 times. I think that number is as of uh, this past Monday. Um, now, this is available uh, to the general public as well through uh, you know places like Tache Pharmacy, correct? Absolutely, yeah. They can come get it in uh, without a prescription here. Uh, and a pharmacist can sit down with them and teach them how to use it, whether they want to get the injectable form or the nasal spray. And so when people come in, we'll get to numbers in a second here if you're seeing an increase as well, because certainly it's being used more on the streets of Winnipeg by frontline workers. Um, would people that come in to get this be somebody who has uh, a family member uh, that is addicted to meth or abuses meth? Or, or who, who would be the typical customer you'd see there at Tache Pharmacy? Yeah, that that would definitely be one of the uh, regular type of people we would see, someone who knows that uh, they're a family member of someone who that they know uh, uses illicit medication, uh, medic, uh, drugs that way. And we, often, we can see also sometimes friends of, of those that are out there as well. They, they, uh, they might be people that happen to hang around with people that use uh, uh, recreational medication, mm-hmm. we'll say, and, and they want to have it on hand because they're concerned about their friends that way. They're not using it themselves, right. but they, they're worried about their friends. Yeah, just curious. Is it expensive? Uh, it, it's not really. Uh, you know, and, and and think of the the cost of it versus the uh, the effect of it. It, it it's minute mm-hmm. comparatively. The nasal sprays are more expensive because uh, it, it's designed in a particular kind of uh, dosing mechanism, so to, to get that spray into the nose. So uh, the, the the device adds into the cost with it. So nasal spray is is, is a quite a bit more. But we will sit down with uh, anyone that comes in, ask about it, to teach them how to use it. So if they want to be able to uh, administer the uh, by uh, injection, we can teach them that. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned, uh, and we we've been hearing about it in the news this morning. Uh, the start had some what I found to be shocking numbers, 107 times that it's been used on the streets of Winnipeg in the month of May, and that number, 107, is the highest ever in a month, and that was as of this past uh, Monday, so actually only a few weeks this month. We saw it used 107 times. Uh, Fentanyl making a bit of a comeback out there, we're told, after obviously a lot of uh, focus on meth for a while. Are you seeing an increase in the purchase or inquiries about naloxone? Uh, unfortunately, I have not seen an increase in the inquiries or purchases of the naloxone at this point. So maybe that'll be coming up in the future, but I certainly haven't seen it just yet. Uh, yeah. I do have. A, and have a, you a, seen? Sorry, I was just going to say I do Go have ahead. a friend uh, uh, who's working in the system, and he has also mentioned to me that uh, they definitely have been using uh, more uh, naloxone than they've uh, used in the past. That's for sure. And have you seen spikes in the sales in the past, or like, give me a sense of what the history's been like there at, at Tache Pharmacy for you? In the beginning, when it was uh, really uh, a lot of news getting about carfentanil when it was on the the street there, um, we were selling quite a bit more. And, and I guess when, unfortunately, uh, sometimes it takes people being hospitalized or, or <laughs> dying before people take it uh, seriously that the, to, for to have this on hand just in case. 
Mm-hmm. And is this, uh, we heard from um, uh, one of the paramedics on CJOB this morning talking about how the drugs aren't necessarily uh, all fentanyl, they're, they're mixed often, there, there are other drugs uh, mixed in there. Does that in any way lessen the effectiveness of naloxone at all, or, or is that a factor in this? Now, I guess it depends what kind of drugs are being mixed in with the fentanyl. Naloxone mm-hmm. is only effective against opioid medications, so that would be fentanyl, morphine, hydromorphone, uh, oxycodone or oxycontinents out there. Um, the, the, it, it, it's an antagonist of that. Those, and what an antagonist means is that it will. There's receptors in our body that these drugs uh, attach to to have their effect. The naloxone will actually uh, bump out the other opioids to block it off but it's only a temporary blockade. Hmm. Hey, Scott, thanks a lot for this. Just wanted to check in with you and, and seeing, uh, see if you're seeing an increase as well and, and learn a little bit more, uh, more about this that we, we hear about all the time in the news. Thanks a lot. My pleasure. Take care, Hal. Colleen Monroe is with us now, the president of Unbreakable Windows. Colleen, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hal. Thanks for uh, coming on for a couple of minutes here. I've heard your ads on CJOB, and uh, I had a, a landlord on the other day, uh, Michael Mark, and he was talking uh, about the vandalism and stuff that he deals with with all these apartments on Waterfront Drive, and the latest incident involved a broken window, and that sort of you know connected me to your ads, which I've been hearing, and I thought, well, let's find out about this, because I am curious to hear about unbreakable windows. The product is called Rock Glass, correct? Correct. Unbreakable Windows is a company that supplies the Rock Glass product, and I was fortunate enough to hear the uh, the story of the gentleman the other day, or partially the story, mm. and unfortunately, Good. I think his is one of many that seems to be happening. As you know, and it's reported on your radio stations, is there's always an increase in crime these days. And I think that with COVID, uh, it certainly seems to have pushed. There's a lot of people that are at home, uh, whether it be abandoned buildings because of the COVID. You know, it, it seems that there's a lot of unprotected buildings that are, uh, you know, vulnerable right now. And how does this product work, rock glass? And is it for uh, vehicles as well as home windows? You know, at this point in time, how we're not doing vehicles, uh, rock glass is really used as a proactive retrofit to any window. It can protect your windows before they break or replace after they're broken. Uh, it's quick and easy installation. Um, and, you know, you can use it. Um, it seems one of the most popular things is storefront windows are broken into, lower windows are broken into. And unfortunately, it's just not in the core area anymore. I mean, it's going out to rural Manitoba. It's going out to other residential areas. I think as the desperation heightens here, and, you know, just remember before COVID, there was our meth crisis, which is still present. And, you know, desperation is is still, uh, you know, happening out there with everything. So, you know, with COVID, um, you know, unfortunately, it has given business regards to the health guards and the security barriers. Uh, which, you know, is going to be needed, especially with a lot of, uh, you know, government businesses going back to work. Um, They're going to want, I think most people always want to make sure that their employees are safe. So this has certainly been a call that we were sort of unexpected for this. Mm -hmm. You you mentioned um, storefront windows. Um, That's a really good point because we have been uh, seeing more commercial break-ins because of, as you mentioned, COVID-19. And so 
this is a window that can be put in as sort of a preventative measure or it can replace a broken window and then you're good for next time. There won't be a next time. Correct. And I think that's, you know, really what we're trying to do is be have people be proactive before it breaks. But, of course, we can replace it after it breaks. And it's mm-hmm. another alternative, a much better alternative than people boarding up their windows. When you board up the place, it leaves marks on you. And, I mean, let's face it, they can still pry open, you know, the board to, uh, you know, to get in there. This way it's, it's the glass, it's retrofit right over and it's virtually unbreakable. So we see that as, you know, if people can get on board and start protecting the property, because there's nothing worse than having a call in the middle of the night that your storefront's been broken into and stuff is missing. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, our police are very busy these days. It's very difficult to get to these places and stop anything. You can have your security cameras, which you might catch after. But again, what are you going to do? You still have all the damage in the insurance companies. How many times are your deductibles it's not worth it. And how many times can you keep on returning to the insurance companies? A mm-hmm. couple more questions. How does it work? Why is it unbreakable? Well, you know what? It's, it's a proprietary blend of materials that replicate grass. It's got uh, the glass. It's got a titanium hard coating. It's uh, abrasion and chemical resistant. And it's about 200 times stronger and shatterproof than glass. And it's twice as mo- uh, smooth and half the weight. So it's a blend of materials that have been developed here in Manitoba um, to be able to, you know, see what's, it's been in development for about five years. And it just sort of now is the perfect storm and timing where it seemed to, you know, launch the business. And people are wanting more safety and security these days. There's fear. You take a look at, you know, I heard you mention about the riots now in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's civil unrest that seems to be happening and, you know, people want people want to be safe. And I think, unfortunately, that seems to be where a lot of our society is going these days. And like I said, before COVID, we still have our drug issues out there, yeah. too, that people with desperation. Right. And it's Manitoba technology, eh? It is. It is. I'm very proud of that. Hmm. Very cool. Um, and then cost. That would be my other big question. Uh, and obviously, once you replace it, I guess it's it's good forever. You don't ever have to worry about it again. Is there a, much more of a cost involved? You know what? It's about 50% uh, higher than a regular piece would be. But as we would say, in the long run, if you're mm. not replacing it, we just recently uh, donated uh, some glass to actually the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, um, Soup Kitchen, Crossway Soup Kitchen on West Broadway. And, you know, unfortunately, it's, it's, it's you know, they, they had one window that broke and then the next one broke. Uh, you know, somebody came and did the, the other one that wasn't covered with rock glass. So mm-hmm. you can see that, you know, they, they continue to have the problem. And we've heard that story a lot where a lot of businesses come back and say, I just spent the money couldn't use my, you know, insurance, put a new window yep. in, and it's broke again. So I would, you know, beg to differ. It's 50% higher, but is it really in the long run a cheaper way to go? Yeah. Boy, I'm glad I had you on. Uh, I didn't realize it was uh, it was Manitoba technology, Manitoba grown. That's fantastic. It's unbreakable windows. The product is rock glass. The company is unbreakable windows, and people can check it all out at unbreakablewindows.com. Right, Colleen? You sure can. You can find a dealer there, and uh, if you need it, we'd be happy to work with you. Colleen, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the time today, Hal.
Dr. Cyrus Dirksen is here. He's here every Friday between 2.30 and 3 with us. DrCyrus.com, D-R-S-Y-R-A-S.com. Cyrus, hello. How are you? Very good. How are you doing? Excellent. Glad it's the weekend. I'll be honest with you. Um, and, uh, of course, uh, you know, phase two of the reopening of Manitoba gets going on Monday. It looks like the weather's going to be nice this weekend. Lots to be uh, excited about and uh, optimistic about. And we've got some stuff that we're going to uh, chat about here today uh, as I talk to you from my home studio. And I've been here for uh, way over two months, almost two and a half months. And that's where we start. Here's the headline. People are burned out from working at home. We've talked about this before. What new can you tell us? Well, 51% of people are feeling burnt out being at home. And yeah. uh, even though 71% of them are doing self-care activities, like going for walks or you know, trying to get away from their work at different times in order to take care of themselves. So, I mean, I had a theory a little bit that this was going to lead to kind of a, not evacuation, but like just, abandoning office buildings here and there, you know, because people were able to get away with having their workers at home and not having to pay rent and things like this. Uh, but I'm not sure mm-hmm. how true that is because people don't seem to be coping all that well, at least a lot of them aren't, uh, with being at home. And uh, so maybe we'll have to keep the offices. Maybe that's the way we'll have to go. Yeah. I don't think, I, I have new respect for people that work from home every day. Uh, because I have found, and I've said this before, I've found that it's made my days longer. Um, I, I'm just not so sure everybody is built to work where they live. You, you know what I mean? The general sense seems to be that it's the lack of routine. People just, when they're at home, uh, they, there's various things that happen. And one of the main ones is it just kind of diffuses into your entire day because you can get away from your work. Maybe you do a little bit and then you have to work into the night and maybe there's no clear distinction about when you're done your work. So you just work until the job is done. Uh, and you may be doing even more work than you typically would. And so there's no line here. There's no structure it becomes monotonous and it take and routine. Apparently it's just like this, just gives you the sense of self. It gives you, it's part of your sense of self. So who are you if you're just always working? Who are you if you don't do your regular activities? So people mm-hmm. are at home kind of feeling monotonous, disconnected from themselves. And, uh, yeah, even in a few weeks here, I mean, I know it's long, like it's, it is a num- it's a number of weeks, but normally it takes quite a bit longer to get to burnout, and people are already experiencing this. Uh, and, yeah, a new respect for sure. If you can cope with this, that's a pretty challenging thing to do. So other than routine, because I've tried to do that too, I, I've tried to keep a routine and, and most days that helps. Any other advice aside from a routine? Uh, like you're a clinical psychologist, so uh, help us with, uh, you know, what we can make. Can we maybe do other things to, to make it more palatable? You know, a lot of this does seem to be around, um, around the things that you would typically do. I mean, one of the big things that people really like about working at home is that you don't have to do all of these things that you typically do. You can kind of get mm-hmm. away with not getting dressed or, or not talking to people or, uh, you know, taking, you know, like lots of breaks and um, things like this. And so what a lot, of the, a lot of the recommendations out there for people in these situations is to actually do all those things that you were trying to get away from, like get dressed <laughs> and talk to colleagues and get a babysitter so that you don't have to parent at the same time. 
you know, claim your territory in your house. So kind of make an office. Basically, what they're talking about here is make it feel as much as possible like you're not working from home. Um, and uh, so that seems to be the primary recommendation. And, you know, you know, one of the interesting things is that our physical reality really does impact our mental health reality. So a lot of times people feel like they can just do things like not get dressed and, you know, all these things. And it's not going to impact them or they feel kind of silly when they do it. Like, oh, is this, if this, this is going to make a big difference for me psychologically. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we're not more sophisticated than that. Sometimes if you just get dressed, you feel better. And, it, and, and you're more affected by these things than you would maybe like to believe. Um, but it's just true. Well, in our second headline here, uh, it kind of melds into what we've just been talking about. Humans aren't meant to be alone. Many haven't seen or touched another person in three months. And I think if we worked from home, but we could go out for dinner with family and friends at night, or if we could go and visit other people on the Mm -hmm. weekends and stuff, it it wouldn't be as bad, but we are working from home and we are really sort of, you know, locked down. You know, that's true, Hal. I mean, like we talk about working from home as if that's what people are doing, but really this is not the typical working from home situation. And maybe that should be said because this is more of like an isolation exercise than than the kinds of things that people could typically do and have in their life when they are working from home. And uh, so that's a really good point. I think what what the, the term here that people are using is touch starvation, uh, which is this just reality that, that you're not in connection with other people. And some of these things that, again, maybe we've taken for granted, like, you know, we were talking about working from home, taking for granted the benefits of going out to work. This is the same thing where it's like, well, is a handshake really that important? Is that brief hug really that important? And when people are touch starved, it just really does seem to be that important. It seems to really affect people. I mean, obviously, if you have family that or if you're in a relationship, you can kind of do a lot of that. But even with that, there is an effect if you can't go out and do it with others. So, you know, if you've noticed that you're having some of these very typical signs that people have when they're not doing well, like feeling depressed or anxious, having difficulty sleeping, one of the things you should think about is that maybe you're touch starved. And maybe that's uh, something to keep on the list of things to correct in order to be able to manage your mental health. Uh, it might not be the first thing that you think of. You might think mm-hmm. that maybe this is something else that's making it. It's your stress and da 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 But maybe you need to go out and get a massage. Maybe now that it's June you know, getting close to June 1st, you should go and get your nails done and get a haircut and do all these things that give you a little bit of connection with other people. And mm. uh, and maybe that's something that can help you get a good night's sleep and feel a little less depressed. Yeah, like take all the precautions that Dr. Rusin keeps talking about. That, that hasn't mm-hmm. changed. But go out and enjoy some of these new freedoms safely mm-hmm. uh, if yeah. you can. And, and uh, listen, I'm not a big hugger other than, you know, I, mm-hmm. I hug my wife and my mother-in-law. Um, and I guess my dog. Yes, I hug my dog, everybody. I hug Hershey. Um, you know, but I'll tell you what, um, the one day that I had equipment problems and I had to go and do my show back at CJOB, it was great to see people. We didn't touch, mm-hmm. but it was good just to see everybody. Everybody was excited to see me and I was excited to see them. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you might not be a big hugger. You might think, well, what's a handshake? Who, you know, who cares? Mm-hmm. But when mm-hmm. that's taken away from you for two and a half, three months and who knows how much longer yeah those things do matter they do and one of the real weaknesses in psychology that people have that you kind of come to realize is 
that we have real difficulty connecting our mental health problems to the actual cause. We really have trouble with that. We're not feeling good. We start to come up with theories about why, but we're often wrong. We don't. We aren't very good at actually knowing what is making us upset, what's mm. ma- what's causing those anxieties or those problems. Just like a kid who comes to you and they're all grumpy and stuff like this, and you kind of come up with all these, you know, complex theories on why they're upset and character problems, blah blah blah, and then you give them an apple and they're fine. We just aren't that connected to the reason. And so as we're in this time. Uh, as we're kind of experienced this kind of isolation, you might be out there kind of coming up with all kinds of theories on why your mood has come back to it being a problem and you're going back to childhood issues and things like this. It may be as simple as, you know, having somebody to, you know, shake a hand, to be connected with, like you're saying, uh, and those kinds of things can actually make a real impact over time. And uh, so sometimes it's just, I mean, now I guess it is complex, but in, in many ways, very simple things. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.